Welcome to episode 77 of the Steady On podcast, Hope Anyway, with me, Angie Bauman, and my guest today, Leanna Tinkersley, author of the new book also called Hope Anyway. I'm going to invite you to listen for something specific in this interview. Only about two or three minutes into our conversation, Leanna talks about the immutable self inside of us that cannot be erased by our circumstances. Immutable means unchanging over time or unable to be changed. And the part of us that is immutable is that part that holds onto the hope we have in the resurrected Christ. My verse for this episode is Hebrews 10, 23. Hear it from the NIV. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love words like immutable and unswervingly and steady. I feel fragile and weak so often. I feel small and insignificant, but words like immutable, unswervingly, steady, they speak to me of power, of overcoming, of strength. And so I hope whatever your circumstance today, that my conversation with Leanna can point you back to the immutable, unchanging, unswerving, steady hope that is ours to claim as children of the Most High. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome to this Stronger Together conversation. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Leanna Tinkersley. Leanna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Angie. I'm thrilled to be here. Leanna is an author and a speaker, and she has a new book coming out. What book is this for you, dear? What number in your... um... This is number six in my library. Six in your library. I know. I know my half dozen. (laughs) Every once in a while, I talk to an author that says, I don't know exactly. And I just want to say, I just don't know if that can be true, that you lose track (laughs) of how many books you have written. I don't know how that would be possible because it's like losing track of your children, but you know, maybe that is possible once you get to a certain number, I guess. I know. I know. So I'm not there yet. No, I know. No, no. (laughs) Just as we get started, talk to us a little bit about this project. What are, what was happening in your world, in your life? What are the, some of the challenges that you faced that led to this feeling that it was time to write this book? Yes. In 2017, I um, went through the loss of my marriage very unexpectedly. Um, I've been married almost 15 years and uh, sort of found out in this moment that I wasn't anticipating that our marriage would be ending. We had three small children and um, certainly you know, marriages are complicated and difficult and never perfect, but I have to say that I didn't really see this coming. And so what followed is uh, a few years of putting my life back together, of rebuilding, of beginning again. But prior to even that point was a um, season of being in the dark. And so I wanted to write my own journey as I found myself there in the darkness and how I reached that place and how um, I realized that even in the most difficult circumstances, there's something inside of us. There is this immutable self that um, can't be erased by our circumstances. 
And I realized that there was this part of me that despite this tragedy, this crisis, this loss, just knew somewhere deep down inside of me that I was going to rise, that I was going to be able to come back out of this. I was going to be able to walk my children through it somehow. And I was going to survive, you know? And then, so I was writing and writing and writing. And I I didn't even know for sure that this was going to become a book. It was just helping me go through my own journey. And then the pandemic hit. And I know we're all really tired of talking about the pandemic, but what I noticed in people is that everyone was getting a no in their inbox, in their community, in their schools, in their profession. No, 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 we can't do this. Everything's canceled. But I noticed people were being innovative, resilient, creative, and certainly not every last person, but so many that I was watching. And I realized that somewhere in the human spirit is this capacity for hope and this resilience, resiliency of hope. And I could feel it down in there in myself, even on the worst days. So I wanted to celebrate that in my own journey. I wanted to celebrate that in the people that I was witnessing. And I I also just wanted to be a presence in people's lives that were in the darkness and reach toward them with something that could possibly help them kind of find their way in that. That's so beautiful. And it's so relatable because whether or not we've been through an unexpected end to our marriage, we can relate to this idea of being in a very dark place of a circumstance. My family and I were in 2010, we were hit head on and um, injured very badly. And uh, what I say is when I share that story, pieces of that story uh, in, in hopes of bringing hope, right. Or sharing God's faithfulness, those kind of things. What I say is we have all experienced times in our life where we've been hit head on, you know, and that's what yes. I hear you saying where it just came out yes. of nowhere. So maybe you haven't been through a, an unexpected divorce or been through a head on car collision, but you know what it's like to be like, I did not see this coming and I do not understand where I am. And I do <laughs> not understand how to get from where I am to where I so want to be. And I, one of the things I used to say, and I would imagine this was a similar thought of yours is I would say, I just want my life back. Right. Mm. But this realization that it's not coming no. back. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so I want to, I want to poke, poke on something that you said, cause you were talking about the time that it took you to put your life back together. Mm-hmm. And so because I know putting that back together didn't mean your marriage reconciled. I mean, I know that from your story. And so what does that mean for us as we spend the time we need to put our lives back together? Yeah. Well, I say this all the time that rebuilding is possible and rebuilding is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Mm, you know? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I've always loved this quote from St. Benedict and it's always, we begin again. And I just, I believe that so significantly in my own life that we are always being offered opportunities to begin again. We're always being offered opportunities to rebuild, but it's painstaking and it requires, well, it's so vulnerable, right? It's so vulnerable. And it's like, I have to be a beginner all over again in my own life. One of the things that I see in that when I'm, when I'm really in touch with my own human vulnerability is, and I hate to say this because it's terrible news, but it puts us in a right relationship with others. We need others, right? And that's important. Like we, we do need others. And there are times in life where we get very self-sufficient and we kind of believe we don't. And going through these dark times, these head-on collisions reminds us 
oh yeah, I can't do it alone. It puts us in a right relationship with God and our faith. We realize we are dependent on something outside of ourselves, that we need resources that we don't have, that we can't muster. That's a good thing in the end. You know, it's hard, but it's a good thing. And it also requires us to practice compassion with ourselves, which I believe can be one of the most difficult lessons, especially as women, we have to learn in our lives. We go through these very hard times and we can turn on ourselves. We can shame ourselves. We can believe the lies of the soul bullies, as I call them, you know, or we can make a choice every morning to begin again, to come around the table and sit next to ourselves, put our arm around ourselves like we would a dear, dear friend who is struggling and say, I see you. I'm with you. This is impossible. And we can do this together. So, you know, that's where I would start with some of that, but I, I don't pretend to tell anyone that this is easy or quick work, <laughs> but what I want people to know is it's possible work. It's possible with the right people around us with faith and with, uh, turning toward ourselves in a place, in a posture of compassion, instead of a posture of contempt and shame. Right. Yes. Um, and then second, secondly, because you're right, my marriage did not reconcile. So how do we talk about hope when things don't turn out the way we wanted them to, needed them to, asked God, begged God for them to? This is one of the things I really, really parse out in the book because it's something I had to learn and I had to learn it the hard way. We talk about hope like we talk about wishing in our culture, right? That I, oh, I hope the Chargers win the, the, the Super Bowl. Oh, I hope it snows this winter. You know, oh, I, I hope that they have that flavor of ice cream that I really love, you know, when I go to the grocery store. That's wishing and, and it's fine, it's language. But then when we come to God with the idea that hope is about wishing, is if you can believe hard enough and wish hard enough that it'll come true. And then when it doesn't, it's very disorienting. It's, it's very, uh, it, it can undo our faith, right? So I had to understand the difference in hoping for, which is, which is um, this kind of wishing hope, like I hope for an outcome to happen and hoping in, which is hoping in a process regardless of an outcome. This is really hard. So that I can put hope in God's love for me. I can put hope in my incredible community of warrior sisters that surrounded me every day of this tragedy. I can put hope in my own ability to show up in the morning and sit on my back patio with my coffee and say, God, I'm here. That's all I got. Right. So we're hoping in something and it's a process instead of hoping for a product. Again, I don't like this, <laughs> but if we, yeah. yes. if we believe that our faith was uh, a ticket to get all the things we wanted, then we kind of, we kind of missed it. Right. That our faith, especially our Christian faith, is the narrative is that death precedes life. Death precedes new life. That, that's a long way of getting to what you're talking about, Angie, but this is how I've sort of been thinking about and writing about and parsing this out in my own life, because hope can feel like the biggest red bow that everyone wants to tie on everything. And I believe it's actually quite tricky and quite nuanced, especially when we've been through loss. 
Yes. And I, I have several things that I want to ask you about kind of follow up to that, because I, it makes me think of like praying as we pray to God, almost like throwing pennies in a wishing well, when you talk about the hope and the wishing, right. Where it's like, it kind of also, it makes God so small. And I, 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 I get emotional just thinking about it because how many times I have done this, where I have put prayers like pennies in a wishing well, just hoping, hoping, hoping and missing not being able to see the process, not being able to see what he's doing in my life and how he's growing me. And what a beautiful thing that is through the not getting the red bow answer, if you will, um, for, for it not to come back the way it was yeah. actually feeling this love. I actually love you too much to just take you backwards. Like we're actually not going to do that because, um, because I have, I want something even better for you than you want for yourself. And this is that process. But when you're but when you're just in the pain of it or the disappointment of it, it feels, it can very much feel like instead of he, instead of feeling like he's drawing near, it feels like he has left perhaps, um, abandoned even for a stronger yeah. word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. what is the, I hope? think that's oh, very true. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, I just am affirming that. I think that's very true. And I think that's, what so many of us feel like when we feel lost, forgotten, alone. And I think that's another thing I'm trying to show in this book is the ways in which God came to me in these dark places and these disorienting places in the wilderness. And, and yet it wasn't always in the way or in the packaging or in the timing that I wanted or needed or expected, but it's to your point, Angie, that it's like, it's, it's allowing God to have a larger vision for our lives and to surrender to that vision. And again, I'm not saying this is easy work, you know, but I do think that's super important that just because we're not getting the answers that we are begging God for, it doesn't mean that he's absent. Right. Yes. Or getting them like in the way, in the speed that we desire. Uh, Cause as you've said several yeah. times, you know, we don't really want to hear the answer that this is going to be long and difficult. It's yeah. like training for something that's coming, but we just, we want to be good at something without going through the learning process of getting good at it. I think that's like, that's our nature. Most yeah. of us. Yep. So absolutely. What is the hope that we hang on to? If it's not the outcome, how would you, how would you describe what it is that you feel like you have found or are finding, right? Um, because you said that we can hope, or, or you know, that, that, that we can have hope no matter what. Um, what, what does that look like for you? It's just kind of a follow-up question. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, first of all, I don't want to live my life as a cynic. So if I can't hope for outcomes, the obvious option would be, okay, well, then I'm just going to be a cynic or I'm going to be, they even say the opposite of hope. It isn't despair. It's apathy. I'm just going to be this numb, apathetic person. Well, I'm not, I don't want to live like that. And I have a feeling that people that are listening to this, they don't want to live like that either. Cynical, apathetic, numb. And we know from so much research, medical research, even a lot of different kinds of um, work on our brain, work on our immune systems, that hope is actually a very healing force. And I talk about that in the book, that it's a very healing uh, emotion, a very healing uh, thing to have with us. And so I want to be a person of hope. I know it's better to live that way. And so your question is a good one. You know, what can we hope in? What am I hoping in? So the way that I've ordered the book is there's 27 very short, brief chapters through the whole whole book, and they're each titled 
hope in something anyway. And it's all these different things that I found I could put hope in, even though it's very counterintuitive, even though we may not like initially say, oh yeah, this is very, this is a very hopeful circumstance. You know, chapter one is hope in the darkness anyway. And I'll just say really briefly about that. I start out with this quote from one of my favorite spiritual writers, Barbara Brown Taylor. And she says this, new life starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. And then throughout the book, I talk about the fact that we can hope in the transformation. I say it in a lot of different ways, but it comes down to this. We can hope in the transformational presence of God. And he's going to come to us in a lot of crazy ways. Think about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Think about all the crazy ways God came to them. And he's going to come to us in our wilderness times and in our dark times in crazy ways. But it is, um, and I've, and I've, chronicled what those are for me in the book. But what I'm realizing is that if we'll look, he's going to show up and he's going to be there. And I referred throughout the book to the voice, the voice that visited me throughout the last few years at the most um, necessary times when I was the most lost, the most, um, depleted, the most disoriented and reached towards me with words that just created that showed me the very next place to put my foot, the very next step to take. And so I also list throughout the book, what was the voice? What was it that that voice said to me? And it was the voice of God. But what I also like to think of it as is the voice of love. Because when we're in the darkness, when we're in the wilderness, we just, we do, we, as you said, we feel like we've been abandoned or forgotten. And what I realized was that love was with me. Love was with me. Love was taking care of me. Love was seeing me and witnessing me and walking with me. And so the voice of love, capital L, was there. Just like it's been there throughout all of history and these stories that we know and love and come back to. I think of the, uh, the scripture in Lamentations 3 that says, because of God's great love, we are not consumed. The darkness is consuming. The isolation is consuming. Loss is consuming. Grief, wilderness, those things are consuming. But if we can put our hope in the fact that we are loved and that that love is coming to us. We need to get still enough. We need to get surrendered enough. We need to get quiet enough to listen for it. It's there. That is something that is worth our hope. I, I don't want to put you on. I'm going to take a risk and put you on the spot maybe a little bit. I was going to say, I don't want to, but then if I didn't want to, I wouldn't do this, but I was just wondering, I'm listening to you talk and I'm so moved by the way that you can hear that voice of love. And I wondered if you would share just a, 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 a tough day, a tough moment, maybe that you were having when you felt that, would you share one of those with us? Yeah. I'll share the one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I initially found out that my marriage was ending in a, in a conversation with my then husband. And he told me that we were going to go to a counseling appointment in about 10 days from that conversation a week or so later that had already been prearranged. 
So in my head, I went into after the initial shock, you know, 48 hours of complete shock. And, um, and then I just real, I remembered, oh, we have this counseling appointment coming. We're going to sit with a counselor. And so I went into making a list literally of all of my most strategic comebacks as to why we were not going to do this, how I was going to fix it, why this, all my best arguments, I went into fix it mode, right? And which I'm not judging myself for that. This is a part of grief. This is a part of trying to stand up for something that we care deeply about. There's no judgment on myself over this, but this is what I did. I launched into repair mode and, and it is all on me to save this for everyone. We got into the counseling appointment and it very quickly, and I launched into all my best arguments, right? I mounted all my strategic defenses and it didn't work. It didn't work. And I could even sit here and tell you, Angie, that I was right. <laughs> right. I, I was, yeah. I was in my own opinion and then maybe even other people's opinions. I was right. It doesn't matter. You cannot control another person. And this person had another perspective than I did. And so I walked out, it became very clear to me very quickly in that counseling appointment. And I, and I write it this way, I say, it was like, I was the last person in the room to get the punchline of the joke. Yes. And it, I, I kind of, it was like, oh, we're not here to fix this. We're here to have this person help us end this. And it all of a sudden occurred to me what was actually going on. So then I was just blindsided all over again. So I walked out to my car after this and the reality of what was going to be happening and the reality that I couldn't change it or fix it was beginning to sink in. And I sat in my car outside of the counselor's office and I was just devastated. And I was, I was feeling the reality of the circumstances maybe more deeply than I had yet. And I said to God, you know, you know, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Because I think it's also hard in these circumstances to know when we're supposed to hold on and when we're supposed to let go. It's very hard. And and the people around us have different opinions about this, about how, how hard we should fight or not fight or what it's very confusing. And I, and I know that God said to me, a voice that was very familiar said to me, Leanna, Leanna, you have to let him go. You have Mm -hmm. to let him go. And I sat there, you know, it's the last thing I wanted to do. Right. And I opened my hands right there in my car. And I knew that the only way forward was surrender. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I had to surrender. And I had to stop feeling like this entire thing was all up to me. And so the voice of love saying to me, you have to let him go. And then uh, not soon, not, not uh, long after that, that same voice said to me, Leanna, you are not losing your person. You are finding your person. And your person is you. Mm. And I know people listening to that could say, oh, that's pretty cliche. Like you were actually losing your person. And yeah, I was actually losing my person. But the, the deeper waters of love in that moment was reminding me, Leanna, I'm going to bring you home to yourself through this loss in a way that you have never experienced before. So yes, you are losing something very precious to you. But remember, you can never lose yourself. Mm. This is an opportunity to come home to you. And so that has also been a big part of this journey is coming back home to myself. 
and realizing that love will do that and love will heal us and bring us back to those hurting places inside of us. And it will, it will accompany and accompany us as we do that. So that is, um, some of the really there's, there's probably 10 more in the book, but some of the really most tender moments in my story, when that voice showed up and showed me the next place to, to step. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think listening to someone else's experience can bring such hope in our own experiences as we hear other people's testimony of how God was so very real to them in a place where they were feeling like they were just losing it all, you know, when everything was tumbling around them. So for those who are listening, maybe that really relate to that place in your car, that that last one to hear the punchline, but had, did not have the same experience in your car where they really felt like a tangible voice. Could you give them some just um, encouragement or maybe even advice, if you will, on how, how do we hear that? How do we discern for us when it's time to fight? Because as you say, it's confusing when you have people that you trust, probably there were people close to you saying, Leanna, you've got to save this. You've got to, you know, and there are other people that are saying, let him go. And, you know, how do we, how do we know, uh, how, how can we hear that maybe a little bit better? It's so hard because it there's this, yeah. it's so hard, right? Like we want to listen to the wisdom of people in our lives who are wise and, and speaking into, we use that phrase a lot. Oh, this person was speaking into my life and we want to be available for the wisdom of other people. But, um, we also want to be available to, um, the wisdom of a counselor, a therapist, a spiritual director, you know, and I think all of that is important. I I also believe that many of us spend a lot more time listening to other people than we do our own self and our, and the voice of God. And so there's no like magic sauce for this, except for just doing it as a practice. So one thing I do most mornings as I go onto my back patio, and I did this a lot during this time, take my journal, take my coffee. This this does not take long. This takes five minutes. And I put at the top of my paper, I still do this most every day. God, what do you want to say to me today? Mm. It's a practice. And we get quiet. We we breathe deeply. Sometimes it just helps to reset your nervous system, especially if you're going through grief or going through anxiety. Deep breaths, reset your nervous system. God, what do you want to say to me this morning? And then I just keep notes. And often a dialogue will emerge. And I I understand this is hard to trust. I understand there's a lot writing on this, but I would encourage anyone out there to start there, get quiet and still and start a conversation with God. And then also, I think what we're listening to, um, first of all, we let the urgency of other people's agendas for our lives override our own sense of needing to take it at the pace that we need to take it. So if there are people with very urgent messages, you've got to do this. It has to happen right now. That's often the last thing to listen to, frankly. Um, I don't want to say that as a blanket statement, but often, I mean, if you are in a situation where you are unsafe or your child is unsafe, the urgent message is true. Get out and get yourself to physical safety. That's always the case. If you feel like you're going to harm yourself, yes, get out get help. That's always the case. If you are not in a situation where harm is possibly imminent, don't let urgency make the decision for you. Let wisdom 
make the decision for you. So we have to give ourselves time to let that kind of to center and to, and to hear for ourselves and to hear for ourselves. So I think also, you know, the work of therapists and spiritual directors in my life has been, um, has been irreplaceable in that where I can take this, like, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm sensing. Um, what do you think? And bounce that off, but, um, do not neglect that time in the chair with your journal and that conversation with God. I agree so much with what you're saying. Thank you for being willing to share those things because it sometimes, especially if we've had a season before the crisis where God's voice was not familiar to us, I think it may not be familiar right away. We may have to relearn how to listen to him. And I know for myself, when I am struggling more with picking up the shame or anxiety or any of those things that can creep in listening to the lies. If I, if I will be wise to myself, the first thing I need to ask myself is how are you doing with being quiet? Just what you were saying, because a lot of times it is that absence of that quietness with him that allows space. I don't know for other things to enter into my brain and my heart and be very distracting and remind me of places that I used to live, but now don't, but I can forget that. I don't know if I'm saying that well, but I can forget that and be like, oh, this is where I set up my tent, you know, or my camp. And I'm like, it's not, it's not, you do not need to live here anymore. So I just think that's really, really sound. And, and I'm, I'm with you, uh, you know, good people who will counsel you, uh, and help you and be able to see it who have your best interests at heart. Uh, are also just so valuable, especially when we're going through something really, really dark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been fantastic. I'm so happy uh, that this message is getting out into the world. I want to ask one final question. I always ask before we part, because I love to share resources. So would you tell us just in your personal life, as you're doing this launch and all the things, uh, what are you, is there anything right now besides your journal and your back patio? Because I think that is beautiful. Uh, I have a lake around, I live in a university town and there's a beautiful campus lake here and I take walks around the lake. It's the same thing that you're talking about. Like what is your regular thing, right? When you just need to sort of press the reset button, but is there anything other than that, that you're doing, reading, studying, listening to that's helping you bringing you hope, reminding you of hope, keeping you connected to God right now. Yeah. And I just want to go back really quick. I just want to say that it's exactly what you said, that this process of listening and hearing from God is it's mysterious. And so we can't fully control it. What we can do is choose to show up. So it's easy for us to think about it theoretically back here and say, well, I don't know if that's really going to work. Well, what's the point of that? And I think the invitation is to actually step into your own life, step into that conversation and just see what happens to not stand back and judge it theoretically, but to step into it and say, okay, this is, this is a mysterious process hearing from God. And so I'm going to choose to enter into that mystery and surrender to what's going to happen. So I just want to normalize that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mystery. Yes. It's a mystery. It's God. So you're partnering with, with the divine. So allow that to be somewhat mysterious. It's yes. okay. And then also, I also just want to add, cause I think this was so beautiful. What you said that 
the, at the, the toxic voices or the soul bullies, as I call them, the, they are often the loudest voice. And so we're so used to hearing their voice and listening to them because they're screaming. Yeah. Our, our own soul voice and God's voice are smaller and stiller and quieter in the small, in the, in the lower, deeper waters. So I often also will put a square on my paper in the mornings. And as those, maybe that, that, oh my gosh, you're so behind already today. Why are you doing this? Let that little voice that gets in there and tells you, you know, God, your house is so chaotic right now. Or can you believe you, you forgot again to pay the electric bill? These things are the soul bullies that are going to come in and tell us this time is worthless. It's unproductive and that, um, and it's going to shame us into thinking we need to be doing other things. So just put a square on your paper and put those voices, those messages in that box. And just remind yourself that is not love. Mm. That is not from God that um, those are voices of condemnation and contempt. And it will help you, I think, sift through some of that really loud noise that starts when we sit down. And so I just wanted to offer that because this is like we talked about, we have to begin again. This yes. is a practice. We don't yes. do this one day and it's done. It's over and over. So yes. I want to normalize that too. I love that so much because one of the messages that I just want to keep putting out into the world is close connected relationships with your creator is not for other people, right? I think sometimes we're like, oh, well, Ooh. they're special. Ooh. We're spe They're special because they have this like close walk with Jesus or something. He wants that kind of intimacy with each of us. And sometimes it takes us a while to figure out what that feels like in our heart, in our life. But there's no, there's aren't special people that have the, the way or the key or the Man. map and you don't have it. I just, that's just I not love that. true. So yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. love that. Yeah. I love that. And that is, oh my gosh, that's a huge message to get out there. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So I want to go to your question about yeah, yeah, things yeah. that I've been reading. No, I love that. Yes. And I, you know, I also, I, I had something else I want to share, but I also wanted to just say that, um, that, you talking about walking around the lake, there is something very powerful about getting our bodies up and moving, especially when we're going through grief, especially when we feel a lot of anxiety, we're not sleeping well, our nervous systems are really revving. Um, grief can be so, it can just be, oh, just so consuming. And to move our bodies will help if there's science around this, it helps clear and heal our brains. It helps us to breathe and think better. And so I love that idea. It's not just exercise or it's not just, you know, being healthy. It's actually very holistic, especially walking in helping our brains reset, helping our nervous systems reset. So I just, I really love that. Mm -hmm. Um, two things that I want to share at, um, with, with those, those who are listening, number one, breath prayers are, um, just something that I go to constantly because they're doable, they're quick and they just feel accessible. And so I struggle with anxiety and breath prayers when my body is getting, my throat gets tight or my chest is really pounding. A breath prayer forces me to breathe, forces me to slow down. And so, um, it might be like, as I'm trying to fall asleep on the inhale, God, I rest. And then on the exhale in your peace, God, I rest in your peace or God, I rest in your love. You can take any scripture and turn it into a breath prayer because of God's great love on the inhale 
I am not consumed on the exhale. And so you can do this as you're falling asleep. You can do this when you wake up first thing in the morning, breath prayers, save me. Because again, sometimes, especially when things are really unhinged, we just need something accessible. And even a 30 minute walk might feel like I just can't do it. I can't do it, but a breath prayer we can do. So write it on a sticky note, do it while you're blow drying your hair, do your breath prayer in the shower, do it as you're falling asleep while you're cooking, scrambling eggs. And it will just, it's so I'm getting chills right now, just because I know how meaningful it's been to me. And then the other thing, this is actually super random, but, um, I've just been leaning into my own Enneagram number more. And I was talking earlier about saying, God, God saying to me, your person is you trying to understand and accept and welcome my wiring a little bit more, and then understand how to heal some of the places in me that are false self. And, um, so I just been listening to a lot of the teaching by, uh, Suzanne Stabile. She's an Instagram kind of guru. And if you go to her website, she has a lot of different MP3s you can purchase that are very, I think very reasonably priced and it's her training that's been recorded. And it, she gets so specific in terms of certain numbers, certain stances within those numbers. And one of the things I struggle with is I'm a four with a really a very, very big three wing, but I am a four, but I struggle with um, what she calls being doing repressed, which is um, in the four is a doing repressed. And so I do a lot of things, but sometimes I can't get the things done that need to get done. (laughs) I always say it's easier for me to write a book than do the laundry consistently. (laughs) And that is the, that is the actual truth. Yes. Um, And it is a great source of shame for me, actually. Mm. And it's one of the things that I beat myself up about the most. And so I really wanted to seek out some healing and her work. She gave a three hour training on the numbers that struggle with doing repression and how we can begin to heal those parts of us that, and bring that doing forward. Some of us are thinking repressed. Some of us are feeling repressed, depending on our number, her whole idea of, we want to be a three-legged stool balance thinking, doing, and feeling. And so a lot of this was just wanting to seek out healing and wanting to live out of my true self to do out of my true self and not hide and paralysis in my false self. And so her teaching has been incredibly healing to me. And that, that one in particular about how to kind of dance with my own doing repression and uh, begin to heal in that way and to let go of shame. Yes. Right? Let go of shame. Mm-hmm. So that's been healing for me. And I hope that's a good resource for your, yeah, your I love well. that Check those, out her work. Those trainings are on her website. Is that what you said? That's right. Yeah. And I think, okay. I can't remember what I paid for her, for the one that I downloaded, but it was mm-hmm. a three hour training. And if you think about going to that in person, it would be really expensive. Yeah, but it, yeah. I think it was under $30 for a okay. three hour training. And it was like, really in depth. So yeah. they're all on her website. I can get you the, I don't know if you do show notes, Angie, but I can I do. get you her I will site. Put, and I will can, put all yeah, of that stuff in the show notes. I'll it. look it up and find it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll link it all in the show notes. And um, if you, if, for those who are listening, maybe you're or you, Leanna, I, I was introduced a, a really good overview to the Enneagram. If anybody's interested in that, I think is the Ennea summer, the first one that Annie F Downs did. I think the summer oh, maybe of yes, maybe of 2018 or 19. She's done a couple of Enneagram things, but she did one called Ennea summer that just did an overview of every number. And especially if you're not familiar with it, I, that's what, how I kind of fell in love with, uh, became a student of it, listening to her talk about it. So that's just a really good, Hey, I'm new to this. What is this all about? And I'll link that also so that I'll find it and link it so others can find it. Cause I do think that's a really good 
resource. Leanna's book is Hope Anyway, Welcoming Possibility in Ourselves, God, and Each Other. This project and you, uh, my new friend, are a gift. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for your time today. And I know uh, what, what you have shared is going to bless so many people who are in that place that unfortunately many of us experience at one time or another in our lives. So thank you very much for spending your time with us today. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. I so appreciate it, Angie. Until next time, peace. Leanna's willingness to vulnerably share pieces of her story has continued to affect and inspire and encourage me. And while sharing her circumstances helps us lean in and trust her, Sharing her journey of what God is teaching her through her circumstances helps all of us hold on a little tighter to the hope we have in our faithful God. And so we thank you, Leanna. Hebrews 10, 23, one more time from the message paraphrase. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. If you'd like to support the ministry of Steady On, there are three things you can do, and they're all free. First, you can subscribe to the podcast. That helps a ton. Second, you can rate and review this podcast because that helps other people find us. And lastly, you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter by visiting the website livesteadyon.com and clicking the orange newsletter button at the top. The link for that is also in today's show notes. I always welcome comments and feedback. I answer every email that you send me. And so please reach out anytime by emailing steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.